Hey, everybody. It is Friday, April 14th, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mosh Wanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill Wagner is off today, but will be back with us next week. I hope everyone has uh, plans to relax this weekend after a very long week. Some of you might be coming up against the tax deadline. A reminder, tomorrow is April 15th, though taxes are due this upcoming Tuesday on the 18th. All right, let's get started here with some of the headlines. The government has arrested a 21-year-old National Guardsman over the leaking of those top secret documents about Ukraine, U.S. spying, a whole bunch of other issues. We'll tell you why he had access to those documents and the arrest. Meanwhile, authorities in San Francisco have arrested a suspect in the murder of a tech CEO recently that has gotten a lot of headlines, and it turns out the suspect knew the man. North Korea has conducted its latest ICBM test, and this one displays a new technology. We'll have the latest updates for you today on the legal fight over Mifepristone, the abortion pill, and that comes as Florida yesterday announced a new abortion ban after six weeks of pregnancy. The biggest sports team sale in North American history is about to take place. We'll tell you which team is getting sold and who is buying them. There's a new episode out of the Joe Rogan podcast where he is interviewing a guest, or so you thought. AI has recreated Joe's voice as well as that of the guest created a full conversation. We'll tell you about the implications. We'll remember the mother of the miniskirt who passed this week. And as always, I will have on this day in history. It's a big date in American history as one man decided we would be spelling words differently here in the U.S. than the British, dropping all those extra U's in some words. And I'll end by telling you what I'm watching, reading and eating this weekend. All right, let's get started here. They got him. On Thursday, the FBI arrested a Massachusetts Air National Guard member in connection with the disclosure of those highly classified military documents about the Ukraine war and other top national security issues. The Guardsman is an IT specialist identified as 21-year-old Jack Teixeira. He was taken into custody without incident after the FBI officers converged on his Massachusetts home. I posted some of the dramatic video on Instagram Thursday. Teixeira worked in the 102nd Intelligence Wing of the Air National Guard and had gone through security clearances. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said that Teixeira will be charged under an Espionage Act provision that makes it a crime to remove or transmit classified national defense information. Federal officials at this point have not revealed a possible motive, but accounts of those in the online private chat group Teixeira was in where he was sharing documents have disclosed that Teixeira was motivated more by bravado than any sort of ideology. Long story short, he was basically trying to impress his gaming buddies with these documents. Now, this is very different, at least so far, than the infamous Edward Snowden leak from more than a decade ago. Snowden had a clear political agenda, was very critical of the U.S., it appears so far, based on interviews with some of the gaming buddies uh, in the community where Teixeira was sharing documents online, that he was merely just trying to inform them, tell them about issues, and again, just trying to impress them with what he had access to. Some people who aren't impressed and frankly very concerned about these documents getting out and the implications they could have for U.S. national security are top defense and intel officials. They've called this an alarming breach that is raising questions about America's ability to safeguard its most sensitive secrets. The Pentagon has called this a, quote, very serious risk to national security. And yet it was caused here by such a young, low-ranking service member, albeit one who had a security clearance. We told you earlier this week about those classified documents. They range from briefing slides mapping out Ukrainian military positions to assessments of the state of the Ukrainian fight. 
the state of international support for Ukraine, other sensitive issues, including intelligence inside Russia, circumstances in which Putin might use nuclear weapons, and also details on how the U.S. spies on our allies. The U.S. military and the Justice Department are still scrutinizing how these secrets got shared in a chat room and then ended up circulating around the world. Keep in mind, some of these documents have been out there for weeks until some media outlets picked it up, and that's when some in the national security establishment were first alerted to the leaks. There's still no clear answer on how many documents were leaked. Some estimates put the total in the number of hundreds. The leak is believed to have started with Teixeira on a site called Discord. That's a social media platform popular with people playing online games. He was on this platform for years, posting about guns, games, his favorite memes, and according to some chatting with him, closely guarded U.S. secrets. The social platform Discord is cooperating right now with law enforcement. So there are only a few ways this classified information that was leaked out could have been accessed. Typically, in classified briefings with slides like those that were placed on Discord, the information is shared electronically. That can be done either through secure computer terminals where users gain access based on their credentials or through tablets that are distributed for briefings and then collected later. If the slides needed to be printed out instead, they can only be sent to secured printers that are able to handle classified information and they keep a digital record of everyone who's requested a printout. It's still very early here in the investigation, but Teixeira was sharing photos of documents, and in fact, some of those photos showed background details of the room he was in, including photos of him and his family. More on what we know about Teixeira at this point. The 21-year-old had the following title, Cyber Transport Systems Specialist, essentially an IT specialist responsible for military communications networks, including cabling and hubs. In that role, he would have had a very high level of security clearance because he would have also been tasked with responsibility for ensuring the protection for the networks. At the end of the day here, what officials say, and they are looking into trying to tighten up security clearances, is that for anyone with a security clearance, their handling of classified material is based largely on training and trust that they will safeguard the information after going through a full clearance process. All right, this next story takes us to another big arrest made on Thursday, this one in the killing of a tech entrepreneur in San Francisco. Authorities out there in the Bay Area say a tech consultant who knew the victim was arrested and charged with murder yesterday in the stabbing death of the very gregarious and popular founder of the Cash app, Bob Lee. Lee was found murdered last week in downtown San Francisco. His stabbing death shocked the tech industry with friends and former colleagues mourning the demise of what they called was a brilliant and very generous man. Police found Lee with stab wounds outside his home at just about 2.30 a.m. on April 4th. Arrested in his killing is Nima Momeni uh, yesterday. He will be charged with murder. He faces an arraignment today. The police chief for San Francisco said that Momeni and Lee knew each other, but he declined to elaborate on their connection. Momeni was taken into custody yesterday morning in Emeryville, which is a suburb of San Francisco. While police officials aren't saying much, the local news site out there, Mission Local, reports that Momeni and Lee were driving together through downtown San Francisco late at night, just hours before Lee's murder, and they were traveling in a car registered to Momeni. At some point overnight, a fight is said to have broken out inside the car and potentially continued after Lee exited the car. That's when Momeni apparently exited the vehicle, stabbing Lee multiple times. A knife was recovered near the crime scene. 
Police are not talking yet about a possible motive here. We will await more details there. But this murder does come as the discussion has popped up in the recent weeks about rising crime in San Francisco. This case was cited as an example of uh, rising street crime, but it appears in this case that this was not random at all. At least so far, what we know is that, again, the suspect here knew the victim. All right, we have a lot more news to get to in this speed read, including On This Day in History. But first, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors this week and tell you about the special deals they have for you. Let's start with the good folks over at Bolin Branch, Bedding and Sheets. We're so happy to be partnering again with them, a brand that helps you get an amazing night's sleep. They have a great sale right now for Mo News listeners. What's great about Bolin Branch Sheets is they're made with 100% traceable organic cotton that gets softer with every wash. They've already been bought by millions. We have a couple sets here at home. We've really been loving them. Boland Branch spends a lot of time focused on the supply chain, and it turns out that traceable organic cotton is much better for the environment and farmers in India. This is something we discussed on my Instagram account recently. But let's get to the deal here. Right now, Mo News listeners will get 15% off using our code, Mo News. You can do that over at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Mo News for 15% off. Let's talk now about Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 vitamin supplement since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. Easy, quick, lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion, gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can head over now to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer and get a discounted monthly subscription or try it for just one time for just a month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews for this special deal. It will really let you start to take ownership of your health. All right, now time for the speed read. We're going to start with this from Reuters. North Korea has announced that it has tested a new solid fuel intercontinental ballistic missile aimed at boosting the country's nuclear counterattack capability. On Thursday, the North Koreans fired what appeared to be a new model ICBM triggering a scare in northern Japan, where residents in the city of Hokkaido were told to take cover, though ultimately there turned out to be no danger in the end. The latest launch comes days after North Korean leader Kim Jong-un called for strengthening war deterrence in a more practical and offensive manner to counter what the North Koreans say are aggressive moves by the U.S. North Korea has criticized recent joint military exercises between the U.S. and the South Koreans, and so oftentimes you'll hear this from the North Koreans as an excuse for shooting off new weapons. Globally, the U.N. condemned the launch, reminding North Korea that there are U.N. resolutions banning these types of missile launches. The U.S. National Security Council said the latest launch needlessly raises tensions and risks destabilizing the security situation in the entire region. From the Associated Press now, the Republican-dominated Florida legislature yesterday approved a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. It's a proposal that is supported by the governor there, Ron DeSantis, as he prepares for an expected presidential run. DeSantis is expected to sign the bill into law in the coming weeks. Florida currently prohibits abortions after 15 weeks. The idea here is to move up the ban to six weeks. The bill does contain some exceptions, including to save a woman's life. Abortions for pregnancies involving rape or incest will still be allowed until 15 weeks of pregnancy, provided a woman has documentation such as a restraining order or police report. 
Now, right now, even the 15-week ban in Florida is held up by the Florida Supreme Court amid an ongoing legal challenge. If the Supreme Court in the state rules that the 15-week ban is okay, that would then allow the six-week ban to take effect. Democrats right now in the state don't have power at any level of government, so they were mostly only able to use stall tactics and protests, vocal protests, to oppose the bill, but ultimately the six-week ban passed largely along party lines. It will be interesting to see how this plays out. DeSantis, of course, is running for the Republican nomination, so this could play well for him in primaries should he run for president, as we expect him to. The bigger question will be how this plays in a general election, given the sentiment we've been seeing recently in polls among women and independents who tend to think that a six-week ban is too restrictive, and so it remains to be seen kind of long-term politically what this will mean for the governor. It all comes as there is a separate federal fight right now to keep the abortion pill Mifepristone available. That escalated yesterday as the U.S. Justice Department announced they are now appealing lower court decisions all the way up to the Supreme Court. A U.S. appeals court this week ruled that continued use of Mifepristone is still okay, but they called for limits in how it can be prescribed. And that's after a lower court judge, a U.S. district court judge, called for it to be taken off the market entirely, claiming it was unsafe. A bit of background here, Mifepristone was first approved by the FDA in 2000. The FDA and other medical officials say there's more than 100 studies backing up its safety record. It is currently used in half of all medical abortions right now, as well as for miscarriages and other women's health procedures. We'll keep you up to date on the uh, Mo News Instagram account, as well as on this podcast about what develops next. But as expected, as we told you on this podcast, this thing is going all the way to the Supreme Court. All right, from The Verge now, AI has officially hit the podcast world. While I assure you that this podcast, for now, is still written by me, and this is my actual voice, the AI chatbot, ChatGPT, has created a 51-minute episode of the Joe Rogan Experience featuring nearly flawless representations of the podcast host's voice, as well as the voice of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. OpenAI developed ChatGPT, and so they effectively created this fake episode solely using AI here, where you believe you're hearing Joe Rogan interview Altman. The episode begins with the AI-generated Rogan welcoming the audience to the first episode of the Joe Rogan AI experience, speaking in a manner and tone that is actually difficult to distinguish from the real person. Take a listen to a bit of it. I'm your host, Joe Rogan, or at least that's what this AI model thinks I sound like. Let me tell you, folks, this is some next-level stuff we've got going on here today. Every single word of this podcast has been generated with the help of ChatGPT, the cutting-edge AI language model developed by OpenAI. I am not the real Joe Rogan. Let me repeat it once more. I am not Joe Rogan, and the guests are not of the people they portray. This is purely fiction. And this continues for 50 more minutes. Throughout the podcast, the synthetic voices of Rogan and Altman discuss numerous topics. That includes the need for ethics in AI, ChatGPT's potential impact on the content industry, and whether people should be concerned about fake AI content. Now, if you listen to the whole thing, the conversation between the two fake voices appears authentic to the uninformed listener. However, there are certain instances where Rogan and Altman's syntax and speech patterns might seem overly cumbersome or a bit robotic. For example, at one point, ChatGPT tries to mimic the natural pauses in human speech with Rogan and Altman saying, ah, um, to convey, you know, being genuine, staggered thought. However, those pauses sometimes appear too frequent and at times 
feel a little weird. Additionally, another clue is that when asked any question by the fake Rogan, the AI-generated Altman almost always restates the question when answering it. So there are some clues here if you're worried that what you're watching or listening to might be AI. All right, back to politics here from NPR. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is moving to temporarily replace California Senator Dianne Feinstein on the powerful Judiciary Committee. That's after Feinstein acknowledged this week that she's having medical complications from shingles that have kept her sidelined for longer than expected. The move should help Senate Democrats advance federal judges for confirmation. Feinstein, who, by the way, is 89 years old, sits on the Judiciary Committee, and her vote is crucial. More than 14 judges right now appointed by President Biden are held up until she can come back, or at least in this case now, be replaced by another Democrat. Feinstein has not cast a vote since mid-February, missing 60 of the Senate's 82 votes so far this session. She's the oldest member of Congress and said in early March that she was hospitalized with shingles but expected to come back. It's unclear now if she'll ever be able to come back, but so far she's resisting any calls to resign, just right now, again, giving up temporarily her seat on one key committee. Every seat matters right now in the Senate. It's a 51 to 49 majority for Democrats, and they have also been dealing with the separate departure of Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who was in the hospital recently for depression. Feinstein has said she's not running for re-election next year when she's 91 years old, but the issue for some Democrats, and some are saying this publicly, they're looking for her to resign at this point, since it's unclear if she'll ever be able to return to the Senate. Every vote matters right now, and some say she can't adequately represent California in her condition. But other Democrats are saying, hold up here. Senator Chris Murphy, he's a Democrat from Connecticut. He criticized those calling for Feinstein's exit, saying there's no similar drumbeat for Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, another key senator in his 80s, the Republican leader, he's suffered multiple medical issues lately that have also kept him out of the Senate. All right, some sports news here from ESPN. The NFL's Washington Commanders appear to have been sold for the biggest price paid ever for a North American professional sports team. A group led by Joshua Harris, the billionaire who already owns the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL team, the New Jersey Devils, has an agreement in principle to buy the Washington Commanders for just over $6 billion. If it goes through, that would have Harris buying it from the controversial longtime owner of the team, Dan Snyder. The previous record for most expensive team in the Americas, $4.65 billion for the Broncos, who were bought last year by the Walton family, the uh, owners of Walmart. So this would have the commanders valued at an extra billion and a half above the Denver Broncos. Harris grew up in the D.C. area, so he has some connections. He's leading a whole group here that are making the purchase. That includes another billionaire from the area named Mitchell Rails, as well as Basketball Hall of Famer Magic Johnson. Now, any sale of the team has to be approved by three-quarters of the NFL ownership. Owners plan to convene next month uh, for their regularly scheduled meeting where a vote on approval could take place. Notably, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, had talked about buying the team, but he didn't end up moving forward. It is reported that Dan Snyder, the current owner, actually tried to block Bezos from buying the team. He doesn't like the fact that Bezos owns the Washington Post, and the Washington Post has run a whole number of investigations against him. So he blocked Bezos from this. Now, Bezos is one of the richest men in the world, so he probably could have gone forward here ultimately, but decided against it. And finally now from the New York Times, the mother of the miniskirt has passed. Mary Quant, she's a British designer who popularized the miniskirt in the swinging 60s in London, died this week at her home in Britain at the age of 93. 
Quant started her first boutique nearly 70 years ago. It was called Bazaar back in 1955. At the time, British fashion shops were very staid and demure, catering to high-end clients with formal wear. She created a much more youthful, colorful clothing line that epitomized the 1960s. She's been quoted in previous interviews as saying she didn't have time to wait for women's lib. She just wanted relaxed clothes suited to the actions of normal life and hoped to dress a new feminist movement with clothes that were aggressively eye-catching and easy to wear. She said that she originally started designing mini skirts so that she could run and catch the bus to get to work and hoped to channel that feeling of freedom and liberation. I should add that she was not the first to create a short skirt. There are other designers who have claimed credit for inventing the garment, but it was Quant who became known as the mother of the miniskirt. She was credited with bringing it to the mass market through collaborations with the uh, famous supermodel Twiggy. Now time for On This Day in History. On this April 14th, we're going to start today in 1865 in Ford's Theater in D.C. It was just days after the effective end of the American Civil War. President Abraham Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth while attending a production at the theater. He would die the next morning. All right, we're going to stay in the 1800s here, turning 195 years old today. Webster's Dictionary. Noah Webster published his first American Dictionary of the English Language on this day in 1828, based on the principle that word usage should evolve from the spoken language. The work was hugely influential. We're still using Webster's Dictionary today. It was called the first true American English Dictionary, and in its first publication, it included 70,000 words. At the same time, though, it was initially attacked for its, quote, Americanism. The thing that Webster was looking at was how to make the spelling of English words a little easier to deal with. He thought that many spelling conventions were artificial, needlessly confusing, and so he urged the altering of many words, from music, which, by the way, was spelled M-O-U-S-I-C-K, like music, to music, dropping the K, changing the British spelling of center, C-E-N-T-R-E, to C-E-N-T-E-R, like we spell it here in the U.S., and the word plow, which was spelled P-L-O-U-G-H, to the simple P-L-O-W. One of the things that he took out of many words was what he saw were unnecessary U's that the British added to their words and still spell that way in England today. He also included nouns that did not exist in England, like squash and skunk. What is notable is that some of his more radical spellings would not make it. He actually wanted to change the way we spell women from W-O-M-E-N to W-I-M-M-E-N for women, and he wanted to shorten tongue to just T-U-N-G, but those would not end up making it. But any Americans today, you have Webster to thank for not having to put an extra U in color, U in honor, a K in mimic, or spell center, C-E-N-T-R-E. All right, a bit of pop culture before we go. On this day, 23 years ago, American Psycho, starring Christian Bale, premiered in theaters. And then there's this iconic soundtrack. Turning 45 years old today, Grease, the original soundtrack from the motion picture, was released on this day, April 14th, 1978. All right, real briefly, since this is a tradition on Fridays, even though it's a little lonely to do this by myself, but some of you complained last week that I didn't do it, I'll tell you what I'm watching, reading, and eating this weekend. First, what I'm reading, a book by a friend, Luke Russert. He is out with a new autobiography called Look For Me There, Grieving My Father, Finding Myself. 
Luke is a journalist and son of former Meet the Press anchor Tim Russert. He took a journey around the world in recent years and writes about his lessons in the new book. It is set to be published the first week of May. All right, a number of you have recommended that I get started on Beef on Netflix. That is the new Ali Wong show. I've heard from a number of you about it, so I'm looking forward to watching that this weekend. And as for what I'm eating, it's now finally reached the 80 degrees in New York City, so we are eating a bit of chilled honeydew this weekend. All right, I want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please follow us and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We got some special editions coming up in the coming weeks here. A reminder to review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. Every review makes a difference and helps us grow this podcast. And don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H over on the gram for 24-7 coverage. I'll see everyone back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.